Welcome to Podtoy 37. Uh, I hope you had a, had a Merry Christmas. Uh, joining me today is Tiffany Chow. Zim Zimma, who stole the keys to my bimma? Sorry, that's Brad all. Rice. Out of there, everyone. And Jim Sterling. Good evening. Just like to thank everybody for celebrating my birthday yesterday. And uh, the the very, very kind Puppet Pal Mitch is, is hosting, so thanks to him in advance. This week we're going to be talking about A Christmas because it was kind of recent. And we're going to be talking about PC World's list of the most offensive games of 2007 and what that means. And New York Times' decision to call Halo 3 and Super Mario Galaxy unambitious and uh, what that might mean and if they're full of shit or not. And then, of course, we'll get to some reader questions. You can get a chance to win some money if you're into that sort of thing. So, first off, did any of you guys get any interesting gaming-related presents or just failing that anything interesting for Christmas? Brad? No, not really. I was... I mean, I just got an iPod, but that was mostly for me working out money running the little abortion clinic out of my van. So, you know, that that was about it for me. That's lovely. Well, uh, I didn't get very exciting gifts at all. I'm moving into a new place, so uh, I suppose the the uh, most exciting gift I got was a toaster, um, as it were. Domesticity. Woo. <laughs> Jim? I got seven fucking pairs of socks. <laughs> Nobody got any games this Christmas? This is a game. <laughs> Nobody got a single game. $50 gift card to GameStop. I mean, I got money, which will go on games because I don't spend it on anything else apart from lots and lots of food. But, yeah, probably might get the Halos. There's not a lot else I want. I've bought everything else that I need. I, you know, when it came down to it and I was making my list of things I wanted, I had all the games that I could possibly need to keep, like, to tide me yeah. over for the rest of the year. So uh, it was kind of a weird Christmas in that respect. Yeah, for for me it was the it's the first year of my life I've ever had money. So I've I've never really had enough money to do more than just live off, pay the bills and what have you. So this year I basically just bought everything. So by Christmas I had everything I wanted. Um, so now I'm just buying games I don't want just to have something to play. Things I hate. Like what? I don't know. I'll buy Mass Effect again. <laughs> That's a little wasteful. It's not wasteful because. I like hating things, so the, the hatred okay. and disgust will be its own reward. You um, could get a giant, like, 18 by 24 poster of all that Mass Effect porn I sent you. Don't, don't send me things from that place. Ever. <laughs> I don't like opening up my inbox to see fucking blue <laughs> lesbians with their big blue minges hanging out. It's just don't send... <laughs> You shouldn't that's even be going to that place, let alone bringing me things like a cat that's mauled a pigeon and has dumped the feathers at my feet. We've, we've been having a little bit of fun in the Destructoid email uh, chain if, huh. for all you readers. Yeah, well, it's fun for Topher and I. I mean, I, I don't know about you. As long as it's fun for you, too. It's great for everybody. Well, Jim's the big hypocrite about, ooh, I love dick girls, but God forbid I ever look at Futanari. I I grew out of that. I grew out of it too, actually. I grew out of drawn porn years ago. I don't need, I don't, I'm on the wagon and I don't need your foul temptations. That shit's for live journal. Leave it there. Well, and and Brad does run Japanator, so without that, he's sort of out of a job. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's really all we are is a bunch of lolicon, really. (laughs) 
Okay, so well, considering the fact that we all had these games before the holiday season, does it feel sort of... Because I have memories of, of playing games you know, after Christmas. That was the big working up to Christmas and then playing games after. Does it feel different for you to be in this position, or, or have you sort of got used to it? Or would you prefer you know, more games coming out a little bit later? I'm still on like, my games from September and such. So I guess I, I would rather say that you know, save uh, probably a good half of the titles that came out right now for you know the summer when we desperately need them you know maybe spend those extra six months or so making kane and lynch decent i don't know that's just thought (laughs) i don't know how many months could have saved kane and lynch i think we're talking about two years complete overhaul and then completely changing the name just calling it i don't know crap give it give it the timeline of duke nukem forever and then it'll be fine (laughs) because lord knows that game's delivering on all fronts damn straight (laughs) okay well, anybody else have anything to say on that note? I, I, I must admit, it's, I'm disappointed by the way things have gone this year, because I've always, in years past, I've always had like the one Christmas game. Um, my grandparents would get it for me, because I don't have a lot of family, we're not rich, so basically I just get like one game a year. Sort of, well, not one game a year, but one game for Christmas. And that would be, you know, I'd get it on Christmas Day, I'd play it Christmas night, and then that would keep me going through to um, my birthday, which is on New Year's Day. And so it was a nice little um, sort of every year Christmas would be defined by this one game. It's usually Prince of Persia because that always comes out near to Christmas. But this year, nothing. I can't even think of anything to go out and buy for myself tomorrow. As I said, I'm, I'm, the Halo is probably the only thing I can think of. Yeah, it's almost like uh, the gaming industry shot off their load a little too soon this year. I mean, uh, my birthday is in November, and uh, I certainly had, you know, bucket loads of games that I had to play at that point in time, which was great um, as far as celebratory practices are concerned. But, you know, it just seemed kind of empty by the end of the year. Uh, maybe they, uh, they, I don't know, overshot things? I don't know. I'm saying it's a shame because 2007, I mean, most people are saying, and I would agree that it's been one of the best years ever for games and it's a shame that it's just going to kind of end with a whimper more than a bang that you know we've had everything in november and there's nothing for us now it's um just a, sh- a shame a little bit depressing it was kind of a premature ejaculation of of just awesomeness i mean some exactly. of the games weren't as awesome as others but it just all of them happening within three weeks of each other i i, I you know when i was looking at the release dates for for november i kept forgetting that Mass Effect wasn't coming out six years from now. I always the, the games that came out this year were the kind that were the next gen ones that were supposed to show us what next gen really was. And it's I, I found it very hard to consider that all of them were coming out within fourteen days of each other. Yeah, but we're definitely not going to have to worry about that with next year. So I guess that's almost an upside. Moving on, PC World named the most offensive games of two thousand seven. The nine most offensive games of two thousand seven. They are briefly. Uh, so you think you can drive Mel, which is a flash game where you play as a drunk Mel Gibson. You have to uh, avoid Jews throwing stars of David at you. Uh, Manhunt two, uh, VTech Rampage, Cannon Lynch Dead Men, Mario Party eight, Resistance Fall of Man, Scrabble DS, which I assume was there as a joke. The Darkness and Lair. So which of these games do you think really really don't belong on there, Tiff? Um. Well, to be perfectly honest, I played Resistance Fall of Man, and I thought it was a great game. I enjoyed it. I don't really understand why it's so... I mean, I guess the point was that it was offensive because of the church and all that business, but uh, this uh, list kind of seems sort of haphazard to me, and I don't I don't know why that's that's on there. It wasn't terrible by any means. It was good, I thought. Anyway. Um, 
<laughs> but I mean, but also, are they are they listed in a, in order by any means? Like, is so you think you can drive Mel the worst and most offensive game of two thousand seven? I hope not. Because that's just kind of lame. I mean, I feel like most more MySpace ads are more offensive than like that game. And you know, you know the flashy MySpace ads where like you, I don't know, kiss someone you have to punch or like, a Jew? yeah, or punch a Jew. <laughs> Or like, or like, gay Britney. Like, those are pretty bad. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, yeah. I, I don't think it's ordered like that because I would hope that in nobody's mind would um, sort of recreational anti-Semitism be worse than ripping somebody's balls off with a ball peen hammer. Yeah, that's true. At the end of the day, it could have been worse because if it was Mel Gibson, we know he wouldn't have been avoiding the Jews in his car. <laughs> <laughs> well, you actually you you avoid highway patrolmen, which I thought was weird because considering the way he talked to them, he seemed to have affection for certain ones. Well, the ones with vaginas, anyway. The sugar tits? Is that what it is? Yeah, sugar tits. I I was waiting for some sort of bonus round with that involved. So as a piece of cultural satire, leaves much to be desired. It's offensive in that fucking respect. Yeah, word. But um, I don't really understand why Kane and Lynch Deadman is on there, apart from the fact that it... Unless they're they're talking about the the Gersman bullshit, which surrounded that. That's all I could think of. Then that's more of an issue with IGN. The only thing I could think of is that it... You mean GameSpot? It... It offended the senses. <laughs> and that it was a piece what of shit. What does that mean? <laughs> There's the same reason Lair's on it, is it was just that bad so that they were offended. <laughs> well, I think Lair might have been like people overboiling the, rev- the uh, how you should review Lair. <laughs> I love that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Julian Egerbrecht is great because he makes me think of food and laughter. <laughs> so, if I ever yeah. meet him, I'll shake his hand. <laughs> and it's spit in his face. <laughs> yeah, shake his head, spit in his face. and kick him down some stairs, and so I didn't need a book to tell me how to do that. <laughs> and uh, Mar- Mario Party 8's on there because Kamek uh, <sighs> says the word spastic. Now, that's not even really that bad a word in the US. Is it horrendously offensive in the UK, Jim, or are they still being overdramatic about it? Basically, spastic was a proper word for them. We even had a charity for them um, called the Spastic Society, which they changed because spastic started being used in a derogatory term, so now the charity is called Scent. Uh, no, it's called Scope. So every time I see a retard, I just smack him around the head and call him Scope. And Scope's not an acronym? Name back eventually. Scope's not but even an acronym? It's just the word Scope? It's just the word Scope, yeah. It doesn't mean what anything. The fuck? <laughs> wow, that's awesome. Scope's supposed to be, what's it, like a wide range. And spastics can't do a whole lot, so it's false advertising from the outset. But, <laughs> false advertising. <laughs> see, but for spastic. me, it just translates to mouthwash or so what monkeys. what is that supposed to symbolize? I don't want to put one of those in my mouth. That's a good point. I'm sorry. If if you were served <laughs> a dinner in a restaurant, right, and it was cooked by the finest chefs in the land, except for the onions, which were cut by a retard, would you eat that food? Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Okay. Now, what if it was a whole kitchen of retards? <laughs> If the food you eat it then? Just because they're retarded doesn't change their ability to cook. Oh, come on. Well, it kind, it kind of does. <laughs> Have you ever seen that YouTube video of the guy? He's got a, <laughs> yes. And he's, oh cutting, he's like cutting chicken, and then the salmonella grease just gets everywhere, and then he starts cutting tomatoes on it, and he doesn't like cook anything, but he keeps going, mmm, this is going to be so mm. delicious. And it's just <laughs> like, you, you, you do want, it. Yeah, you just want to yell at the guy and be like, stop, you're going to fucking die of food poisoning. Just don't do it. I oh, that that turned me off a retard chef ever. But anyway, back to the um, discussion. <laughs> um, spastic is, I don't know, I guess, I mean, well, it's, you know, it's a derogatory term for retards. And oh, heaven forfend, we don't laugh at them. They don't understand if you're taking the piss. They see you pointing and laughing. They just think they're being funny. They're happy. They love it. So 
you know, I don't see why it was so bad. But and it wasn't even used to Roger terribly. You know, it was. Um, I think it was Carmike doing some spell or other, um, yeah, saying make make yeah make this train spastic as in jerk about the place. So, but no, apparently it was far too offensive, and that was that. So, idiots. Are there any are there any games you guys thought should have been on this list, or that you would count amongst your own list that wasn't that wasn't on here? Mass Effect. <laughs> Get over it. No. <laughs> Never. <laughs> you talk about it like it was like a Vietnam flashback, like it killed your family and then shat on your dog. And might have done. You don't know. I guess laughing not. at my pain. <laughs> but no, um, I don't think that Mel Gibson thing should have been on it. It's not that. There, you can find more offensive flash games. Case in exactly. point being VTech shooting, which was only offensive because it was shit and not not clever in the slightest. I did a comic it's... about Skeletor taking the piss out of the VTech shooter, and, and it went over <laughs> very well. Because um, it made you know it made like a satirical point about the whole thing. It was it was you know it had a point. It wasn't just ha ha, but um, that was just it wasn't it. The dialogue in the game wasn't even spelled right. The guy was a fucking retard. I talked to the guy. His name's, yeah, yeah. His name's Ryan Lamborn, and he essentially it came down to. Well, I talked to him, and I talked to the guy that did the, the Columbine RPG. On one hand, you've got Danny Danny Ladon, who's who made the Columbine RPG, who basically acts like his entire his entire game was completely artistic, and it was saying dozens and dozens of things about the media, and then it has layers upon layers. Despite the fact that after you after the actual Columbine shooting ends, you go to hell and you fight demons from Doom, and you meet Pikachu and Mega Man and you eventually become king of hell. Ignoring that entire fucking half of the game, he actually he compared himself to Shakespeare in, in the interview I did with him. So you got him on the, on the super pretentious douchebag end. On the other end, you got Ryan Lamborn, who did the VTech Rampage game, and he more or less admitted that he only made the game to get attention, and he had pretty much zero sympathy for, for any of the, of, of, the, of the people there. And he, yeah, he just, he just made it because he wanted people to interview him and ask him why he did that. So he could go, I don't know, and then tell me to do a barrel roll at the end of the interview. Yeah. <laughs> so no matter what, I mean, there, there are ways to do fucking satirical games. I just, I've not seen too many of them. Even fucking American McGee couldn't, you know, muster up any good satirical sense other than whacking about the head with a hammer every two seconds with bullshit uh, anti-Americanism. At the end of the day, I mean, you've, you can tell from the stuff, you know, the posts I've made on districts like that one about Jubeat today, you know, I don't... I'm not one to be offended by humour, unless the humour's shit, and that's the problem. I mean, you can make as many VTech jokes as you like. If they're funny, I won't give a shit, but that VTech Rampage thing, the only thing good about it was the, the backing music, and the rest was just crap. The guy had the intellectual capacity of an onion, and... An onion cut by a retard. An on, yeah, an onion cut up by <laughs> that, that retard chef. Mmm, how you do it! All right, do we have anything else to say on this subject? I think it's an unorganized list. I don't know. Uh. I think, like, you know, a quarter, well, a quarter, almost a quarter of this list is just uh, Britfags getting all up in arms over shit. I mean, that and Resistance. Uh, Mario Party and Resistance was. I, I sometimes wonder, like, why that needs to be even made a case. It's, it's religious people. I mean, if they're going to be angry about a church, then they'll, they'll defend it to the death because they think it has some sort of significance and it doesn't. But that's a whole other. Me. I'm actually shocked because, um, as far as religion goes in England, you know, we're nothing like America. It's like the only bad point I have to make about America, apart from your taxes, is your 
you know, the, the proliferance of religion, which I thought had been kind of subdued and they kind of chilled out over there, but evidently not, seeing as atheists are like the least trusted group out there. But it's just, I don't know, in England, religion is, religion and state are completely separate and religion keeps to itself, you know, it keeps to itself. Even people who are religious out on the street, we don't do the whole old God bless thing. And like um, my friend out in Mississippi has a goes to a gym every um, week where she has to listen to some stupid bitch praying all the time. And the instructor tells them all to thank God and all that shit. And we don't do that here. You know, it's just if you're religious, you keep quiet about it and keep your head down. Uh, so I was just really shocked that the Church of England came out with that. But then, you know they've not been significant in decades so they're probably just trying to be relevant <laughs> just want to remind you that they were there yeah exactly um, yeah oh hi do you see those big buildings outside they're churches okay moving on to the next subject uh the new york times called halo 3 and super mario galaxy to the you know the bigger games this year unambitious it said they said galaxy is at some level mostly a reinvention of classic play modes in halo that means battling killer aliens and mario that means jumping and dodging and collecting stars to free the princess who as she has been for more than 20 years is locked away in a cartoon style castle now first question is are they right that these are unambitious and second question is if they are right does that mean anything jim I don't know, the term ambitious is, you know, can have different applications. Maybe neither are ambitious in that they tried to revolutionise games as we know them. Of course they they didn't try and do that, they just tried to be good games. Now, I can't really speak for either because I haven't had much experience with either game, but I don't think it matters. I mean, people talk so much about innovation at the moment, um, when really the only requirement is to be good at what you do. God of War is not innovative but it was good at what it did and we you know most people loved it for it um so that's the only thing that matters if the game is enjoyable then you know it's won but at the the same time i don't think the new york times was wrong to say or should have been attacked because i know it was posted today wasn't it and um a lot of the readers were all oh fuck you new york times blah 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 but it was good of New York Times to do a kind of list like that, and they've done editorials in the past about games which have been somewhat enlightened and somewhat educated. Um, I had a dialogue with one of the New York Times editors uh, a couple of weeks ago. He wrote an article, I rebutted his article, then he emailed me, and we just kind of had a back-and-forth discussion about um, Halo 3 and video games as art. And these guys, they know their shit. They actually do know what they're talking about, and I think they've. the New York Times has a lot of respect for games, so... I don't think when a mainstream publication gives like a, ho- a high-profile article to Ward Games, we should all be, oh, fuck you, you said something we don't like about our favorite games. Um, well, I, yeah, I mean, I have to agree. Like, I think that the New York Times uh, was saying something, I mean, I, you know, I don't, I don't think what they said was necessarily off- offensive. I think that what they're pointing out is obviously reciprocative or reciprocative uh, games that like follow in the same motions that are successful because they have good gameplay and they have great characters and they have good stories or whatever that's entertaining are always going to be successful so of course halo 3 is going to you know work out all right and of course mario um galaxy was going to sell a lot because it's familiar and um it's fun but um you know i I, I agree that it's unambitious of these, you know, companies to do that. I mean, they're going to do it because they make money off of it and people like it because they're comfortable with it. But it sort of reminds me of kind of like the pattern of the James James Bond movies, where it's always this very formulaic kind of uh, 
movie that's put out every single year or so. And everybody loves it, but they're not good movies and they're not ambitious. I mean, in my opinion, personally. That's well, I think even the that. case with um, Galaxy and Halo, or at least with Galaxy, is that they're like Jim was saying, they're, it's not ambitious in the slightest. I, I, don't, I don't even think that non-ambitious is necessary, or unambitious, if that's even the fucking word, is necessarily um, a negative thing to use toward a game like Mario Galaxy because it does take all the ingredients of, of a great Mario game and then just add one new thing. Now, is that ambitious? Probably not. It's just one new mechanic, but... At the same time, you run the risk when you add mechanic upon mechanic upon mechanic. You can either get Portal or you can get, uh, let's say, Derek Smart. Any, anything Derek Smart has ever made in his entire life. You can get Battle Cruiser 5000 bazillion AD. Oh, no, people will call for, you know, we need massive change in these things and that it does kind of give it a boring formula. But this sort of refinement is the best sort of middle ground that they can reach. Otherwise, if you totally strike out on a new path, you can either end up with something like Wind Waker at first, where a lot of people say, fuck that game, I hated it, the art style looks cartoony, I'm not even going to touch that thing. When it, and you, you, know, you isolate this whole big chunk of your audience. But I mean, if you manage to just keep going on and on, and by introducing the new elements, you get a high level of quality overall, then it's fine. I just uh, I just wanted to say something about I mean you were saying how like Portal is the high end of things of introducing new features but I think what is ambitious is for um, you know uh, companies like like Valve to take uh, a very simple principle that has been used in past games like the me- the mechanism of a whole like you know reciprocating upon itself you can see that in Pac Man you can see that um, in uh, in the very first Mario is going through too but. Because Valve took it, isolated it, and made it the best that it could be, it created a wonderful, like, you know, incredible game that is very ambitious. So I think that the, the New York Times does say something to the fact where, well, maybe if people were less interested in making money and getting huge audiences all the time, they could come up with some really interesting games. So are you suggesting that... Um... <laughs> What we, what, when we think of the word innovation, we're thinking of something that doesn't necessarily exist because we're constantly building on sort of established things in slightly new ways? Or do you think it's possible to do full-on, I've never seen this before, this is completely innovative and ambitious? You know, it's, it's hard. I mean, um, I can't say because I haven't made a game before. It's probably almost impossible to think of something completely out of the blue. I mean, the Wii was supposed to be innovative, and I guess it is, but I don't know how you all feel about that. But... Um, uh, you know, I think that it's, it's a matter of, uh, thinking about gameplay and gameplay, play mechanic, like very simple principles, like what Portal uses or like what Katamari uses. It's very simple in concept, but they did it in the right way so that the, the games are just fun as fuck. So I'm saying that, you know, I don't think, I think it's harder, of course, to come up with something completely out of the blue. That's nothing that we've ever seen before. Um, I think it's just a matter of. I don't know, finding cool shit to do and making it happen in smart ways, if that sounds smart. (laughs) (laughs) If you guys had to choose between um, a game that was well-refined and brought absolutely nothing new to the table, like, uh, as as Jim was saying, God of War, or a game that, that tried something completely new and succeeded in some ways, but mostly fell straight on its ass, but it was still something completely innovative that if, you know, somebody could run with it in the future and turn it into something great, would you rather play game A or game B in that situation? So you're basically saying, is it between God of War or Space Giraffe? I was going to go with God of War, I think. What's Space Giraffe? I don't know anything about that. (laughs) 
I'm going to isolate you saying that, Tiff, and send it to Jeff Minter. Oh, no. Oh, I'm going to... Oh, I can't wait to see him fly off the handle again. Oh, no, I feel bad. That wacky hippie fuck. Well, okay. (laughs) Just say that you know what it is, but you haven't played it yet. Because that's oh, most of the position oh, most people Oh, Space are Draft. I love that. Uh, I haven't played it yet. <laughs> so what, what is Space Draft like, Jim, for the other people who don't know what it is? It's Tempest, but with a load of internet catchphrases thrown in to try and make it look cool and make us not think that this aging hipster who's still coming down off the LSD he took in the 1970s is still with it. Oh. I don't like is Jeff so- He's a douchebag. Is, what what is it that it that it fails at? Is it just is it just an attempt at, at meaning it and it just fun. falls on its face? I don't know. It's like this really psychedelic tempest like sh- shooty game where I have no idea what the fuck is going on, and the only way to play it is to go online and go on like the Jeff Minter's forums and learn from other people who have taken the days required to work out what to do. And it's just this mess of lights and sounds and mooing and Jeff Jeff Minter's obsessed with llamas and cows and things. And it's just a mess. It's just a completely garbled, psychedelic mess that is trying to pass itself off as something more than a game. You know, it's trying to trying to sacrifice its gameplay for pretty colours and music um, in the same way that Rez did. And I know Rez is very popular with people, and he was trying to do that kind of thing to try and trick pretentious people into thinking it was the second coming, and it failed. But let's say there's a game that comes out that at least succeeds in the, the intent that's, that's original. So if, if Space Draft had actually actually had some sort of meaning to it and was sort of interesting the same way Res was, but it ga- its gameplay had still sucked. Well, at the end of the day, I, I played the, the demo of Res back in the day when, the, you know, PlayStation demos came in discs and things, and Res was always on them. And I played, the, like, the first level of Res, and I didn't get anything out of it whatsoever. But then I'm also the, the 5% of gamers who didn't like Ico either. So give me the best game, if it's going to be a retread of old game mechanics, I don't give a shit as long as it's good. Give me Resident Evil 4 or God of War any day of the week. If it's the better game, it's the better game. End of story. I think, I mean, I think it all depends on how you approach or what you're looking for in gaming or, or it could even be like a moment by moment thing. Like I love God of War, but on the same respect, like playing games like Passage, which uh, which play with you know the expectations of uh, game duration and and whatnot and all sorts of other things. Like I thought that was a thrilling experience, um, and you know I, I like finding surprises and gems like that, but they're harder to come by. So sometimes I just want fun, and that's when like God of War or you know Resident Evil Four come into play. I think for me, it really depends on. How the uh, the unoriginal the unoriginal title was you know presented because I mean you can just to sort of pick out something like if you take No Country for Old Men it's not exactly an original story by and far it's you know guy comes across some dirty money he takes it and someone comes looking for him it's 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 how they manage to work with you know the traditional confines of sort of the genre in the past films and it it sort of shapes it into just being an interesting story i mean if god of war 3 or you know just some other title that was like god of war or resident evil but it told the story in an interesting manner i would i would gladly go with that because i mean while a game may be 
you know, completely original and have new concepts. I mean, if Katamari kind of sucked overall, I wouldn't be as big a fan of it. I mean, I'd be like, yeah, that was cool, but I can't really, you know, force myself to go through that sort of irritating grind just to try out a new mechanic. It's got to be implemented effectively for it to really, for it to really shine. <laughs> Brad makes a great point there with presentation. Um, again, going back to Space Draft, that was half its problem, was the presentation was so messy. There was so many just colours and psychedelia going on that you couldn't see what the fuck you were doing. You know, it's all very well having, like, things coming up saying a winner is you and shit flashing up on the screen. Yeah, haha, that's cute, but I can't see the game behind those fucking words. So it was just terrible. But you say, I mean, God of War, yeah, it was a typical action game, but... Kratos and the whole reworking of um, Greek uh, mythology and stuff set it apart in the same way that Portal probably wouldn't have been half as popular as it was, um, despite the great mechanics, if it wasn't for GLaDOS and the Cake is a Lie and the Companion Cube. Just these little, and the comedy, of course, just these extra elements that set it apart. So I think Brad hit the nail on the head there. Um, So we'll move straight on to, to, to reader questions, unless anybody has anything else to say. Uh, first off is motherfucker, goddamn cock dick. I'll edit all that out. Is he a new member? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a winner to me already. Uh, sorry, I just copied and pasted the questions without um, looking at who the fucking person was. So I got to go back to the, the actual thread. Sorry, just a second. God. Shut up. Rev, we hate you. <laughs> yeah. Take forever. I can't work under these conditions. <laughs> okay. Here's a flown big, here's in from a... England, especially. Sorry. <laughs> oh, never mind. I lost it again. Awesome. <laughs> Go die in a fire. <laughs> I will fucking destroy you, Brad. As the only other 19-year-old on staff, there can be only one, as far as I'm concerned. I'm 20. Fuck oh. you. <laughs> well, now there, there is only there is the only one. So now I have no reason to hurt hurt you. You know. Okay. Funny little thing about the phrase "Go die in a fire." Actually. Um, really. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, there's just, something funny about that. <laughs> well, well just I, imagine I the situation. Of families of 9/11 victims, you heartless bastard. Oh god. Actually, um my sister's mother died in 9/11, so god there you damn go. it. Oh god, stop. <laughs> Sorry, Jim. Kind of lose out re- on that one. Reflective force fields that I was not prepared for. <laughs> but oh, continue your story, Brad, please, by all means. Distract well, us from what you just said. It's just my uh, my girlfriend's roommate. Uh, he got really drunk one night at a party, and so he's been saying "go die in a fire" recently. And he just says that to someone, and of course, like uh, I forget when, like maybe three or four years ago, there was a big fire over at RIT, and a lot of people died from it. And you know, so, someone's friend died in a fire. And <laughs> you, you got to ima- imagine the embarrassment saying that, especially with everyone like staring at you. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> okay, so I found the, I found the question. Um, oh, professor, <laughs> take, take a moment. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm going to... Oh, I'll stop laughing at that. Okay, Professor Pugh asked, uh, what's the best game to bring, uh, or I guess to play in front of them or as a gift, to in-laws you hate? And he suggests Manhunt 2. Is there any game that you think is so bad or so offensive that you would actually be doing harm to a person? Or you feel like you would have got somebody that you didn't like by giving it to them? Doki Doki Maho Shinpan. Which is? Uh, the witch-touching game. Which is? 
Ooh. It's a DS game from SNK Playmore where in order to determine whether or not these girls are witches, you touch them inappropriately. Oh, right, okay. So the hentai, it's a hentai game, right? No, actually it isn't. It's rated C, which is 16 and plus in Japan, and it oh. is unbelievably hard. Like, I mean, I, I tried playing through it. So are you after playing it. <laughs> no, I couldn't even <laughs> through it enough to get to the witch touching. That's the problem. I like how you call it witch touching. <laughs> That's what it is. I hope it's kiddie touching, which it actually is. It's kiddie touching. I've seen the videos. Oh, she actually has breasts, so, you know. Kids can have breasts? They draw breasts on all the kids over there so they can be pedophiles and nobody can, you know, and nobody's looking. It's gross. Give Riku a set of tits and people forget she's 15. Oh, God. Does anybody have any non-statutory rape-related games that they would offend their in-laws with? Mass Effect. There we go again. I mean, I don't know. I don't really uh, try and play offensive games. I don't know. I guess like <laughs> grand, like any GTA, I suppose. I mean, grandparents are grandparents. They're probably offended by anything you play. Yeah, so one of those games with the black people. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Conan. Conan. Get Conan for any like female friend or relative because not only is it incredibly chauvinistic it's a shit game as well so you just get them on both fronts does it have uh, like the god of war-esque sort of just booby minigames or is it even worse than that basically you you rescue women from that are chained up around the level in ridiculous places where they could serve no purpose and (laughs) then and their tits are just hanging out so they've just got their, their knockers wobbling about the place a bit and Actually, they don't wobble. They just... It's amazing. I, I didn't think in Cyrodiil or wherever it is um, that they had plastic you know, plastic surgery back then, but apparently they did. Um, and Cyrodiil was oblivion anyway. But anyway, off the point. Basically, yeah, you rescue these women with their tits hanging out and then they say things like, uh, take me and crush me with your love and things <laughs> like that. What? And, and the best line is this woman who goes up to Conan and says... Um, and talks about how he could uh, be of use to her, and then he goes, I am Conan, and I serve no man. And she goes, oh, perhaps you would serve a woman. And he looks her up and down and goes, service her, I, <laughs> and gladly. Jesus Oh, my Christ. God. Line That's of the terrifying. Fucking <laughs> That's pretty I don't bad. know if actually... that, that makes... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I actually played uh, the God of War minigame in front of my mom once. Uh, and, uh... <laughs> She was actually uh, she was pretty impressed uh, by the uh, <clears throat> the mammary glands that were displayed in the game. Uh, she didn't think that they were real, and I'm like, "Well, mom, it's a game. So. <laughs> <laughs> what do you expect?" But it was pretty then funny. Did she get take a shot at it? Uh, no, that's disgusting. Don't, why are you asking that? <laughs> what? It's just and it's just sis- analog. My, sis- so it's my like- sister got in it too. It was really hot. What about your dad? Stop. <laughs> Don't make this any worse than it is, Brad. My I, God. I feel terrible. Can we move on? You turn on? 20 and you turn into a perv. What happened, man? No, no, no. I start running Japanator and then I turn into a perv. Fair enough. Fair enough. Because uh, oh, the email dear. approves. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You don't even want. You know what's sad? Like, I don't even do this in the Japanator emailer. Like, this doesn't even happen. Well, what a nice release this is for you, then. Yeah, I guess so. I'm glad you save it for me, Brad. I really. 
I, I really tried, Jim. I, I thought you'd appreciate it the most. All right, next reader question. Uh, you have a young 7- to 10-year-old re- relative. What do you get him? And while you think of that, I'm going to find out who the fuck said it. Uh, Blue Wolf 72. First question is, what systems do they own? Well, wasn't, wasn't the question something A, oh, yeah, a real guitar? Yeah, it's a, a, real guitar, B, guitar hero, C, rock band. I guess, I don't know. I feel like if you are an, a relative... If you're a relative, I'd say get him a real guitar because real guitars are good, but he'll probably won't want a real guitar. He'll probably want Guitar Hero or Rock Band, in which case, I don't know. Is this, is this like a question about what I should be buying my, my child to ensure it, like a better... It may be that. Do my parenting for me. Yeah, that's a lot of pressure. I, don't, well, I would say the real guitar because I don't honestly think that like uh, a kid's better off learning easier on a young on a real guitar and then actually working through that well guitar hero is going to try to uh, i guess it's going to guide them into sort of the wrong mindset early on and then they're going to think that okay i can play guitar hero now i can play a real guitar now might i can as do well heroin have, you know exactly <laughs> you might as well start them off on the actual rocker path so maybe they can make a record and then buy the heroin instead of just you know guitar hero and heroin and then hope for a record deal <laughs> but no matter what, every choice has heroin. It's nice to know that that's what your your children are going to be exposed to when you procreate. Or or if you're really classy, you can go for morphine. It is hard or to witch, trace. Or witch touching. Witch, witch touching. <laughs> I don't. I always found real guitars really really um, intimidating when I was a child. I would probably get the kid guitar hero and then just hope that he played it on easy enough so he wanted to get a real guitar and then take away guitar hero without telling him and then force him to learn a real guitar under penalty of I guess physical abuse. See, I'd like to actually see what happens to the kids who get really, like, you know, I don't know, how old was that kid who was playing the Fire and the Flame song from Guitar Hero 3, really crazy, Colette posted it the other day. Anyways, far too young. It, yeah, far too young. I mean, it'll be interesting to see whether any of these uh, uh, prodigy Guitar Hero kids will actually develop into anything other than Guitar Hero kids, you know? It's like the kid who was really good at DDR when he was five, like, where is he now? <laughs> He's probably still playing DDR. Probably. Probably get him a real guitar. It's good for his bones. All right. Moving on to uh, Ugly Phil, who gave us a what he refers to as a boring, serious question that's probably going to be too broad to actually cover in its entirety, but we're nothing if not ambitious. So his question is – well, I'll, I'll give you the whole thing. Games are largely viewed by the masses as little more than toys. While this is understandable considering the number of games that could fit this description and the fact that they're usually built for fun rather than anything else, I think we'd all agree that this is a very dismissive and condescending mindset. My point, however, is that as much as we'd all like to see gaming evolve to the next great story device, a significant number of gamers still act like kids. You can check out the, uh, the, the Halo – homophobia evolved video for uh, evidence of that this certainly can't help said unpleasant stigma so his question is what do you think of this and when if ever do you think gamers as a whole will grow up jim um i already addressed this in an article the um xbox live society sewer or society's mirror go check it out um <laughs> it's not the fault of gamers that gamers are so retarded people as a whole are fucking retards you know, I, I, where I, you know, I work in a cab office in southeast London. I, I just have to look out of the street during my shift to see, you know, some guy smack a woman in the face or any number of, you know, racist incidents and things going on. And, you know, half the drivers talking about the black cunts that um, smashed his car up. And, you know, it's, it's everywhere. It's the, the only thing about Xbox Live is it captures it, immortalizes it, and it just concentrates it into such a, 
small area by you know in respect that it um looks like it's the fault of da gamers when it really isn't you know i've seen people attack gamers before for being all oh, racist and nerds and and all this you know all this shit and you know misogynists and everything but it's they're just people man they're just people but yeah i think jim's got the right idea i i, I would say that most gamers are complete idiot douchebags and especially most people that use xbox live but that's because most people are, are complete idiot douchebags and i think the 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 anonymity of of just being on xbox live gives you that unfiltered undistilled sort of hatred that or stupidity that everybody has privately i think most people probably agree with the sort of shit or most people in america anyway probably agree with the shit that uh, was said in the in the homophobia of all video where they kept calling him fag boy and kept making fun of him just because he had the name gay boy I don't think we're ever going to see gamers as a whole grow up because I don't think we're ever going to see people as a whole grow up. I mean, we, we might get more intellectual types like Chuck Klosterman and you know uh, anybody at Game of Sutra looking at, or Ian Bogost looking at games as a as a serious art form and, and actually trying to elevate it. But it's always a winning a losing battle rather when you're trying to fight stupidity with with uh, intellectualism. You know, I'm interested in seeing how the industry develops, though. I mean, not to say that games. You know, for the most part, they're meant to be fun, and like you could consider that a certain, to a certain degree, a toy. And for the most part, the demographic is categorized in sort of this like greasy, slimy, like mean, I don't know, immature mass. But you know, I keep thinking about like comic books and how comic books started out in one place with Pulp Fiction and all that sort of thing, and uh, now we have graphic novels, which are you know, essentially really long comic books, but they're definitely taken in a much more serious uh, light or considered, I don't know, to a degree, a more serious form of media. So I don't know. I could see it possibly veering towards something more serious, maybe growing up, as he was saying, but um, I don't know. I think we're going to probably have to grow up along with the audience is going to have to grow up because, I mean, no offense to any of the people who actually run these things, but like the Spike VGA awards and such. If you look oh. at our, if you look oh, at our sorry. award shows, they are. I, I mean, sort of the way we treat, you know, rewarding this whole, this whole process of making video games. It's all right. Let's you know go to. It, it's the early '90s stuff of take it to the extreme and shit like that. <laughs> wow. And, and, I, and I mean. I'm extremely happy that the – well, I mean I'm happy but I also have some issues with the uh, Writers Guild of America um, trying to involve themselves more with game writing. I think it's a good thing because you have regulation and, you, and they're taking a much more serious approach, especially since they're you know running the award. They're going to be doing awards for video game writing, um, but I do find it a little disturbing because then they're trying to – sort of impose their control or their standards in the movie industry onto the game industry without, I think, fully understanding the model of how everything works. We don't so, need those communist fucks. Um, I'm probably joining <laughs> there's, the WGA there's, right after uh, I get out of college. So There's some very, need, very communist warning, a seventh of a cent for every uh, dollar that the that the Fuck them, they make more than me. Okay. Uh, but you don't well, think I they mean, should get paid more for more people seeing their shit, and they should get paid anything for online distribution because that's probably going to be the future. I'll pay them with a smack in the head, Jim. Well, albeit the the WGA, I mean, for its members, it does set a minimum rate of I think forty four thousand dollars per script 
to be sold or $40,000, you realize that amount of money is from over possibly like two, five, or ten years worth of writing a single script. These people have to hold day jobs just to get by. Yes. I, okay. And I don't mean well, just like waiting tables. I mean these are like teachers and so, so on and so forth. Okay. Well, let me ask you a question, right? Okay. And look, look at it from the studio's point of view, yeah? Is a man not entitled <laughs> to the sweat of his brow? No, says the man in Washington, it belongs to the poor. <laughs> no, says the man in the Vatican, it belongs to God. No, says the man in Moscow, it belongs to everybody. See, your whole argument is validated by the Vatican thing, because, I mean, the one Catholic uh, person we had, we kind of shot in the head. Sorry, Jim. Well, no, 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 but, I mean, the point is that the, the, the studio isn't entitling the writers to the sweat of their brows. The studio is taking the sweat of the writer's brows and then rubbing it all over themselves and then jerking off into the sweat and then buying a, a mansion with the money. I yeah, the writer, sort of file partner at the end, but you know what I mean. The writers aren't taking as much money up front like you see actors taking oh, two, five million dollars or $14 million a picture because they're, they're willing to try and take that uh, in deferred payment later on, which is sort of what the mainstay is. I mean, getting like you know, two cents per DVD sold when the DVD market makes more money for the film than the box office does. It's kind of a, it's kind of a kick in the nuts. So you know, right? You're not coming to my underwater <laughs> city, Brad. Fuck you. What now? You're out of Rapture, Brad. Officially. Yeah. Oh. You're off Bye-bye. the guest list. You don't get to get <laughs> killed by somebody wearing a bunny hat. Um. Final question tonight. Uh, Harknet asks. What do you guys think are the best games to play with your siblings, cousins, whatever, when everyone is together for the holidays? Rhythm games, party games, hack and slash? What do you guys like to show uh, your relatives to show them that gaming is awesome when the time comes? For me, it's probably rhythm games. That, that's I, I think it has a low barrier of entry, plus, for the most part, at least with the ones that are American, you know, whether it be the Americanized version of Tycho or, some, or Leap Beat Agents, um, there are songs on there that everyone's going to know and be able to play, so... Definitely rock band. I mean, I feel like that's sort of the obvious answer, but it's pretty easy to grab my grandpa to sing a song, you know, just for fun and that sort of thing. But as far as my siblings are concerned, that's kind of different because we all game. Uh, One of our most memorable uh, games to play in tandem would be Toe Jam and Earl. Um, I play that with my brother like all the time. Um, He's probably listening. So this is for you, bro. But, uh, <laughs> no, really, it's a great game. <laughs> One for my homie. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh, it, it's hard to sort of encourage uh, random relatives to come and play with you. Um, usually something that's cute looking and, uh, and has songs works. Well, I don't bother my relatives. My relatives don't bother me. That's, that's fine. That must be awesome. It's cool. My mother doesn't like- speak to me. I talked about that on podcast or... So I didn't have to get her anything for Christmas, so I'm quids in. I, I, I kind of shy away from from rhythm games when I show them to people, if only because I, I don't know. For some for some reason, I, I I want to play the really really impressive songs for them to impress them, obviously, and then it fucking scares them away because when you see somebody doing Bark of the Moon on expert and kind of succeeding at it, then they don't want to touch it for fear that it like it's possessed or something. I tend to play like Wii Sports with my family more often, if only I mean because it's only good. When you have a bunch of people and you're trying to impress them with motion control, you can't really play it once they leave because there's nothing to the game. 
But I, I mean, it's cliche to say so, obviously. But I got my grandma to play Wii baseball with my mom and my dad, and I, I was, it was, it was a big real life Nintendo commercial. It kind of made me a little bit nauseous, but it was fun. And my mom made me buy her Wii. So, I mean, is that is does that only work because of the because the Wii is a swinging controller? I, you know, I don't know. Like, it makes me think what compels a grandparent to pick up the Wii control. I mean, I guess because it's so intuitive and so innovative that, you know, they just can't keep their hands off of it, but um, I don't know. I always try to get... That's how I used to get my grandmother to get her hands on something else. (laughs) Um, Sorry. It's okay. (laughs) I guess... That's um, probably it. It's just... It's easy. It's easy. You can just pick it up and swing it about, and there it is. Wii Tennis. Hurrah. It's, yeah, I think anybody see, above a certain age bracket gets terrified when you explain something, having anything having to do with buttons, they get kind of freaked yeah. out. Yeah, I mean the controller, it looks, it looks very foreign. I think to, you know, people that aren't into games, they see like my friend. I've always been trying to get him to get into games, but he just he always assumes he'll be terrible at them, and he just doesn't want to get his hands on like a video game controller. He hasn't gamed since like, the Master System. Um, but the Wii, I mean, it looks like a TV remote, which everyone's familiar yeah. with. Then you've got like the little, I, I, I hate calling it a nunchuck, that little thing. And, you know, it just looks it looks nice and iPod-ish and familiar with the remote control. And, you know, it's just, it looks simple and it plays simple and, you know, it reels the suckers in. Lame. <laughs> it's not that lame. It's kind of lame. <laughs> well, on that note, I'd like to end Podtoy37. Uh, again, thank you to Tiffany Chow, Brad Rice, and Jim Sterling for coming on. Uh, thank you for listening. As always, we welcome comments. Well, we don't welcome them, but we'll probably read them. And we'll talk to you next week. Maybe.